Okay, we're going to start today's conversation with Ken Elephant, founder and uh, co-founder and partner at Sorensen Ventures. Ken, welcome back to the show. You've been here before. Great to see you. Great to see you. Thank you for having me. So let's catch up, uh, maybe level set a bit on, um, you know, your fund. I know you've been working with your fund one and in the, are in the middle of raising fund two. And fund one was about $100 million, right? That's right. So we have two funds at Sorensen. Um, Sorensen Ventures, which is our early stage fund, and Sorensen Capital, which is our growth fund. So at, at Sorensen Ventures, we have a $110 million fund, and we're focused on seed and Series A investments. We're typically investing anywhere between $1 million to $5 million initially in startups, and then we do uh, follow-ons in those companies. And Sorensen Capital is our growth fund, investing in companies that typically have over $5 million in ARR. And the typical initial check size for Sorensen Capital is anywhere between $10 million to $40 million. Okay, okay. And let's focus on uh, your uh, categories of investment. Where are you today? What's the thinking? What have you been investing in? What are you thinking going forward? Yeah, so at, at Sorensen Ventures and Sorensen Capital, we're totally focused on security and enterprise software investments. And you can see most of our investments in enterprise software have a lot of intellectual property associated with it. Mm -hmm. um, and the rationale for this is that um, the movement to cloud is real. And as such, the complete software stack is changing. Everything yeah. from yeah. the database level up through systems management, up through analytics, you know, a la Snowflake. So the entire um, software stack is changing. And the same thing um, is true for the, the security stack because the perimeter doesn't exist anymore. Um, every enterprise, whether it's a small enterprise or a large enterprise, is connecting to their partners and their customers through the cloud. And so that, that creates huge opportunities for startups, um, and that's where we're focused. Great. Um, let's actually start by talking about some of the companies that you're, you have invested in and are particularly excited about, just to give you a flavor, give us a flavor of what is it that you have been up to. And as you're doing that, uh, tell us when you encountered these companies first and how, what did they have? What was it about them at that time that caught your um, imagination and, you know, was credible enough for you to write these checks? Sure. I'll give you a, a couple of examples. Um, so we're investors in Fastly, which, um, as you know, provides really fast um, internet access from the edge. And yeah. the rationale for this is, is exactly what I talked about before in terms of the trends. The enterprises are leveraging the cloud more, they're leveraging more content, and the existing systems that are out there through Akamai and others, we didn't think were uh, built for the new age. And mm -hmm. so um, we were attracted to Fastly initially because of the technology. And then we saw how interesting it was from the customer's point of view and how it was being implemented. So, you know, Fastly ultimately went public um, and is still, you know, on a great roll. Um, on the early stage side, I'll mention a company um, called Cycognito, where we led the, the seed round. Mm -hmm. um, what, 
Cognito is a security company. And one of the my theses in security is that it's very difficult to sell to chief security officers today versus when I got into the business 21 years ago. And so you need a new route to sell into enterprises. Uh, one route is through open source. Another route might be through uh, freemium. Another route might be through DevOps. Or the way that um, Cognito does it is through agentless security. And what that means is that an enterprise doesn't need to download any um, software on their laptops or servers internally. Um, and I thought that that was really interesting. So this was a thesis that I've had for probably about two years before I've invested in Cognito. And the reason that I was attracted to Cognito is that it was the first company that I thought had the fidelity of data um, that could be really interesting for enterprises. And real, real quick, what they do is they, they pound the outside of an enterprise, just like an attacker would, and they mm -hmm. see the, the thousand vulnerabilities that are there at an enterprise. But what's really unique about Cognito is they have an attack validation technology where they can see how important each vulnerability is. So mm -hmm. if you were Equifax, you would have seen that there's an Apache Struts web server issue on the outside. And that's the first thing that you need to solve because it's connected to a, a database that has usernames and passwords. Interesting. So you are basically the company is able to kind of access each enterprise on their different levels of vulnerability across different threats and then present that as part open as the opening part of the sales cycle. Yeah, yeah. So they've invented this space called attack surface management. And they mm -hmm. could go into an enterprise and quickly um, bring up uh, an analysis that shows here's your thousand vulnerabilities and here's your top three that you should focus on. Interesting. And so, yeah. And so what, what happened there is that, um, you know, what we try and do at, at Sorensen Ventures is open up doors at customers and partners. So um, the company did a great job, closed several new, new customers. We ultimately brought in Lightspeed for the Series A and then Excel for the Series B. And now we're in um, serious expansion mode. Great, wonderful. So um, you may have read this article that I wrote recently um, on PATH. You know, we are uh, seeing a lot of activity. I've had a lot of conversations with people who have built SaaS companies or, in, or in, are building SaaS companies, and this is true especially in the data domain, it's true in the analytics domain, it is true in the AI domain, where people have built, you know, stacks of technology and have gone after a particular problem and are a particular industry sector or functional solution, etc. But many of them are, uh, you know, looking at a path strategy to do a broader play, you know, kind of like the salesforce.com playbook with CRM as the app and then opening up the platform to developers to develop different uh, products for different domains. Um, I would like to hear what you are seeing in your portfolio and in your deal flow on this trend. Yeah, so we, we have a thesis as well. 
in this space. And what we find is that enterprises like to buy products that solve a particular problem. So I'll give you an example. We're investors in a company called Support Logic. And what Support Logic does is they leverage machine learning and AI to make sense of all of the information that's coming into the customer support group. Yeah. Sounds easy, yeah. but it's extremely hard to do. So um, because what's really important to enterprises is understanding what are the big problem customers, and this is targeted at, at B2B companies. What are the, the customers that are having problems? Because if you can see those escalations before they um, erupt, you can solve churn problems immensely. But mm -hmm. to your point, mm -hmm. what we saw is that all this information that's coming in has other valuable information associated with it. So you get information on what are the features in the product that aren't working well. So that can go to okay. your engineering group to fix. But it also brings in ideas in terms of what the product should be doing from the mm -hmm. support perspective. It also um, helps the sales group understand where uh, to upsell customers. So there's a lot of um, potential areas for growth if you start off with the right initial wedge. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what, um, so if you, if this product, the product that you are talking about, uh, what is it built on? Where, what is the data stack? Where is the innovation? How does it play with the ecosystem? Is it built yeah, on so the platform or what's the story? Yeah, most um, companies have a CRM system, whether yeah. it's uh, Salesforce.com or Zendesk or some other uh, platform where the support engineers are logging in the information. Yeah. So um, support logic um, integrates in with each one of those systems and takes signals from other systems as well. And what the magic is, is making sense of that data. And okay. so if you have a, a customer that has a problem in terms of um, how their product is interacting with their Oracle database, that issue should be shuttled to the support engineer who's best equipped to handle yeah. that problem immediately. You shouldn't need to get past to four places and have that take a week to solve, as an example. And when you are investing in companies like this that are, um, you know, supplemental to other ecosystems like the Zendesk ecosystem, like the Salesforce ecosystem, like maybe Freshworks and, and so on, with all the different uh, ecosystems that they're connecting with, are they getting substantial support from those ecosystems and their you know, let's say in, in this case of Salesforce, they have a marketplace as app exchange. Zendesk has been trying to kind of support the ecosystem as well and so forth. What's the experience of company building for a company like that that has other players that already have significant presence in the market? Yeah, great question. So when these uh, CRM companies are going into to potential customers, in competing with other CRM companies, they're looking for um, differentiation and they're looking for ways to show that their product roadmap is really unique. And that's what support logic can do with them. Um, and that is exactly what we're seeing from a lot of those vendors that, that you've talked about. 
Mm-hmm. The other the I'm other thing is that there's channel partners um, that are out there. I think of like the Accentures or the Wepros of the world who are calling on large customers. And they, you know, one of their key issues is to decrease costs in customer support, but also increase efficacy and increase upsell and so on. And this is a perfect uh, addition for that. And each one of these um, uh, resellers already have products like Salesforce or Freshdesk or or so on. Uh What else do you have in your portfolio in the AI domain that are that is scaling well? Yeah, so one of the um, theses that we have is that with this movement to cloud, the data is getting much, much, much more complex. Um, And what I mean by that is that in the old days, you had a stovepipe system and you had a stovepipe data warehouse and Mm -hmm. your information was going in and out from there. You know, in in, uh, forward-looking companies, they have data going in and out of Snowflake. They may have a big data lake in Hadoop. They have uh, data going across databases. They're using Kafka. Managing all of this data and da- their data pipeline is extremely difficult to do. So we're, we've invested in a company called Excel Data. So think of it as uh, Datadog or App Dynamics. And instead of just being at the app layer, it's all the way down to the data pipeline layer. And what we're finding is um, large customers like Walmart, their subsidiary called PhonePay, need this because in an e-commerce situation, you need fast access to data. And you want to make sure that you can can control all of the costs associated with uh, the cloud. They have some really large customers like GE um, that, um, and several other customers, Michelin and so on. So this is this is a data layer play. Think of it as uh, an observability play on your data pipeline. Okay, interesting. We have, uh, I mean, that data, the data stack has so many players. There's the, you know, the Snowflake world. There's the, um, you know, the Informatica talent world. There's the Alteryx world. There's the Tableau Thoughtspot world. So I'm trying to place uh, place your uh, company in that stack. Yeah, think of think of it as uh, Datadog or App Dynamics, but all the way down to the data pipeline layer, because okay. um, those those products won't won't be able to um, help an enterprise understand um, where is their data flowing slowly, where to your point is the is the is the data not being replicated correctly across systems. Where are you paying um, too much to AWS or, or Azure? Um, okay. why, is this, why is this report or analytics uh, breaking down? That's, those are the problems that, that Excel data does. The way, the way this is solved today is that you hire really, really smart um, data engineers to solve this problem. And so the largest companies um, have that capability Mm-hmm. But, you know, even companies like, like Walmart and GE um, don't have that capability. Yeah. You know, um, on your point about these needing really smart engineers to do things, um, one of my observations, it has always been my observation, that there are only a finite number of those. So 
we need abstractions and we need ways to enable and equip people who are not these really smart engineers. They're smart, smart enough, but they're not these rocket scientist types of engineers who can do stuff based on technology, based on abstraction layers and so forth. So this is one of the reasons why I find PATH to be a very interesting uh, trend in that um, it, it enables a large body of developers to develop apps and, and do stuff on top of stacks that they don't need to necessarily build. You just don't need to go be that, you know, savvy to be able to build a product and build a solution to a problem. Yeah, yeah. And I also think that um, the smartest enterprises know that they should focus on what they're good at and their core business. They should not try and um, do site reliability better than Google or Facebook does. Right. Yeah. Okay. So what's, what now? Going forward, what are you looking for? What, what is your thesis? What is your post-COVID COVID investment thesis or during COVID investment thesis? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. So um, I first got into the business in 1999, saw a really big upturn, and then saw the downturn in 2000, and then saw the downturn in 2008. Um, I've been very surprised at um, how long-lasting this upturn has been. You know, our philosophy is that we're going to continue to uh, invest in entrepreneurs that are coming up with new and, and unique ideas in security and enterprise software and, and back those entrepreneurs that are solving unsolved problems. I'll give you, I'll give you an example. Um, and we've been super active recently. So, you know, to your question about um, COVID, my philosophy is, is keep finding those top tier um, entrepreneurs and back them and help them. And don't worry about the, the cycles that are out there. If you're backing high quality entrepreneurs building long-term sustainable companies, you'll do great over time. So, um, so you know, one of the big problems that's, that's been out there for, you know, 15 plus years is, is ransomware. Uh, and enterprises, unfortunately, are getting breached and they're going to continue to get breached. Um, yeah. So yeah. we recently invested in uh, the seed round of a company called airgap.io. Mm -hmm. And uh, I have not seen anything this unique about ransomware. It's um, folks that are out of uh, Juniper, so they understand the network extremely well. And their name of the company is really um, apt because what they do is they create an air gap around individual devices. And so the issue that, that I've heard over and over again from chief security officers is that um, they're going to, they know they're going to get breached or they have been breached. And the issue is, is what happens at that point. Uh, and so what AirGap does is it, since it's created these uh, devices in their own um, segmentation, when an enterprise gets breached, you just flip the AirGap anti-ransomware anti kill switch and that ransomware cannot move from device to device. So for example, um, in a particular LAN, um, maybe that will stop my uh, computer from printing to my local printer. That's, that's okay. Um, these devices shouldn't necessarily be talking to 
other devices directly. So why should my um, personal computer that's inside the, the network talk to an IP-enabled um, video um, video camera? And that video camera is connected to another LAN. That's how that's how ransomware gets spread. So mm -hmm. it, it really looks at the network in a smart way and provides a kill switch. And I thought that was super super unique. That's very interesting. That is indeed very very interesting. What is the background of the entrepreneurs? Came out of Juniper. So uh, phenomenal domain experience associated with the network. And um, it's it's a really good point. So for seed stage deals, um, we're all about backing first-time entrepreneurs. About half of our investments are in first-time entrepreneurs. What we look for is just this extreme domain experience to, mm -hmm. solve a, to solve a problem that nobody else in the world could solve as well as they can. Which is a good um, segue to a question that I want to ask you. Um, when you back these seed stage companies, what are you looking for? Because it's you know it's it's not inexpensive to build a product like this. So are you writing checks on a concept just based on the backgrounds and the domain expertise of the entrepreneurs? Yeah, most of our investments in Sorenson Ventures um, are completely pre-revenue. Okay. Um, so it could just be you know an entrepreneur and you know two or three um, folks that are that are with them with the concept, uh, yeah. but we have carte blanche to invest up to 5 million in ARR. So some, sometimes our investments have a little bit more and we're typically lead or co-lead on, on all of our investments. So what we look for is um, a person that has amazing domain experience from mm -hmm. his or her past. Um, and if they, if they do partner with somebody, um, that is a serial entrepreneur, then that's, then that's even better. Or if they are a serial entrepreneur themselves, that's even better. Because mm -hmm. the biggest problem um, for seed stage companies is getting across that series A gap. And yeah. sometimes a serial entrepreneur knows how to navigate that um, a little bit better than a first-time entrepreneur. But yeah. like I said, what we do once we invest is we augment the team and help them navigate that gap. So team is number one. That's what we look for. Um, number two is the market. Is this a small but rapidly growing market? Because by definition, if you're going after a large market, there's already large competitors that are out there. So using, you know, Airgap as an example, yeah, ransomware, anti-ransomware is a huge market, but no one's in invented this um, anti-ransomware pill switch as an example. Uh -huh. um, so that's second. Are they going after a small but rapidly growing market? And then third, um, to your point, is what is the company's differentiation? Um, sometimes it could be technical differentiation. Sometimes it could be um, channel differentiation. So, you know, for example, we're we're investors in Bamboo HR, which is an HR um, software as a service play, and uh, they, they mastered early on the, the channel strategy. So that was their differentiation. Okay. And what's the, what's the channel strategy of Bamboo HR? I don't think we covered them. Oh, so what Bamboo HR is, it sets up your entire HR system, benefits and payroll and so on. And so what, what they do is they go out to all of these resellers that are trying to get companies up and running and get their, their HR system set up. Okay. 
All right. Very good. Um, I'll give you an, another example on on a on channel. So we're we're an investor in a company called Botkeeper, which is using okay. um, machine learning and AI for automated bookkeeping. Okay. Um, so they would go into a company and make either a bookkeeper um, extremely efficient, or they could take that that workflow off of their hands altogether. And um, originally, um, we thought that there was a risk here with the channel because you have all these accounting firms that are out there doing bookkeeping services and tax services. Turns out the channel loves Botkeeper because their lowest margin business is um, the bookkeeping side, where they where they make a lot of money is providing strategic um, advice on taxes. So the channel is really, really pushing Botkeeper as an example. I see, okay, cool. Um, what about geography? Are you investing all over North America, just in Silicon Valley, what's the boundary? Yeah, great question. So since we focus on security and enterprise software, the vast majority of our investments are in the United States. Um, about 60% are in Silicon Valley. The headquarters of um, Sorensen Ventures is in Silicon Valley, and we have um, part of our staff in Utah. So we have uh, about 20% of our investments are in the mountain region, Utah and the mountain region. Um, mm -hmm. For example, we were investors in, in Cradle Point in, in Idaho. So at that point in time, it was oh, wow. kind of a diamond in the rough. Um, and because we're doing a lot in security, uh, we see lots of startups out of Israel. Um, and because we do a lot in machine learning and AI, we see lots of startups out of Canada. Okay, very cool. Very good. We're going to actually, I have something that I'm going to send you very soon. Uh, very deep domain knowledge, and uh, they're already doing over a million uh, in revenue. So we'll... Uh, we're working on, you know, tidying it up to send it out soon. Fantastic. Yeah, and happy to chat with any of your entrepreneurs. They can just connect to me on LinkedIn. All right. Take care. We will uh, see you soon again. Bye, Ken. All, all the best. Bye.